0: Alright, this is episode number 11 of the Bearded Marketers. I'm Rob. And I'm Corey. And tonight I am drinking an amalgamation of all the leftover liquor I have in the cabinets. Just anything, everything, you know.
1: Your eye is starting to twitch a little bit, so. Th-
0: throw some ice on it, shake it up. It's good to go. And You're I, fancy over there, though. Yeah,
1: I'm drinking a sidecar. Uh, no bow tie, though, tonight. But and a uh,
0: fancy frosted glass.
1: Yes. Rob has a very well-equipped uh, glassware. Uh, No
0: liquor, but (laughs) lots of fancy glasses. It's great glasses.
1: (laughs) We're working on the liquor.
0: All right. Call us at 904-270-9603. Let us know what your cocktail drinks are. We'll mix them up. We'll have them on the next show.
1: Yeah. Send us over some recipes.
0: Yeah. Tonight we're going to be talking about um, reciprocity, reciprocity in online marketing. We're also going to touch on signing up for more information and why people need to stop making their visitors sign up and give away emails. It's
1: going to be a return of Rob S. Angry <laughs> segment. Um,
0: we'll make it that way. Yeah,
1: Segueing into email unsubscribe reasons and some studies that are kind of centered around why people hit the dreaded unsubscribe. Um, and then lastly, we're going to talk about uh, something that's pretty near and dear, especially to my heart, which is talking about huge discounts and what um, psychology triggers does that... Um, really give our our users and things that we need to be cognizant of so kind of starting off reciprocity is actually going to be a start of a six-week uh segment that we're going to be starting where we are going to kind of go back in time and look at some old principles um from a very specific and a uh, highly regarded uh, person in psychology and how it relates to persuasion and marketing, and that is Caldini,
0: Robert Caldini. That's Cialdini. that's what I'm going to go with. That's okay. what I'm going to go All with. Right. <laughs> uh,
1: we've seen multiple pronunciations, but we'll go with that one. And, anyways, he's one of his, the most important book that he wrote uh, that people know him by is "Influence: The Psychology of Persuasion." And just a small soapbox for a while. I, I think as online marketers today. You know, especially as someone that's gone through the university system as of recent as a, and this is in big air quotes, a marketer and have a marketing degree, Um, there was a surprising lack of push in psychology. I mean, I think, I mean, you had, we had very similar classes and we had some intro to psychology, I believe. Maybe that even was optional.
0: I think maybe everyone had to take that. So not related to maybe marketing.
1: Right. And which kind of struck me as, you know, we learned a lot of frameworks and, you know some generalized theories and a lot of business accounting and things like that but a surprising lack of understanding the psychology and what drives decision yeah. which i think is so integral to marketing but anyways so we are kind of re- and this book and the principles that cialdini uh, developed these are, this book was actually written in 84 and the reason why we kind of wanted to return back to that was Um, I feel like there's a lot of principles and understanding of consumer decisions that has been well established that we sometimes forget about, and uh, uh, Cialdini is a a good person to kind of pull from, and I think we can kind of return back to some of these principles and understanding some of these that really have a lot to do with some of the struggles that we have today. Um, So going back to reciprocity, Rob, why don't you give us a simple breakdown of really what we mean for reciprocity and how does that relate to... Us as online businesses. And why sure. I mean, I can give
0: you a simple quote. Reciprocity. Give a little something to get a little something. All right. <laughs> Care and be cared for. <laughs> um, you know, so when you see it in internet marketing, oftentimes it's uh, giveaways, uh, mm-hmm. informational sites, big blogs on corporate websites. You see it a lot in B2B stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in terms of consumer... The consumer end of it you can see it a lot in how to's and videos of how to use products things like that so it's it's giving away a bunch of information and how to's tutorials things like that even products to help people fall in love with your brand Mm
1: -hmm. i think also too sometimes reciprocity helps establish um not only trust but like a loyalty or an affinity to a brand you know especially when we are going to be later on asking for an exchange whether that's monetary or information or time being the forebears of giving something away whether that's like content or learning or uh, really I mean a lot of things can fall under that category I think we kind of set the the standard for having that proper exchange with visitors yeah. you know and 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 Cialdini actually talks about the idea of reciprocity where he says that people by nature feel obligated to provide either discounts or concessions to others if they have received favors from those others. Psychology explains this by stressing that we humans simply hate to feel indebted to other people. And I think that's a, that's a strong takeaway that, you know, once we start um, <clears throat> treating our visitors um, and with that kind of idea to where we are not necessarily showering them with gifts, but we're giving them enough to where, when we are asking for that exchange, it feels natural, or they almost feel like they owe it to us because we've are, we've given so much away, whether that yeah. was a great shopping experience or such good product reviews um, or things like that. To where they want to kind of almost support, you know, I kind of liken it to, you know, one, you know, when I was early in my. Um, age, I might have gone about maybe not the most legal ways to acquire movies or music <laughs> or things like that, um, but when I got older and started appreciating those things and maybe artists or movies like because they I valued their product and what they were able to give me in the form of an experience um or in just the um the admiration that I had for the product, I wanted to support them. Um, and I wanted to support their process. And I find myself shopping in other ways like that, where I might can get something a bit cheaper or I could potentially get a product through another means, but I really enjoyed reading someone's blog or I really like how their site is laid out or things like that. And it just provides a good experience to where like I actually do want to support them. And and I feel like they talk about kind of indebted in them, to them for that visit. And I think that, again... Us as as marketers and business owners, I think if we take some of those principles, especially when it talks about reciprocity, um, that we will see kind of our our performance rise quite a bit. So
0: yeah, I think you can see it. Um, you know, in the offline world, in terms of like local stores that cater mm-hmm. to very specific things. Um, You know, obviously those are disappearing fast with the likes of Walmarts and Targets taking over the entire world. Mm -hmm. But when those things used to be there, you could go in and ask questions and get really good answers. Mm -hmm. And they would talk with you about the problems you're having with whatever it is that you're trying to do, be it an electronics store, Mm -hmm. that help you walk through the product selection and they were knowledgeable right. and that was the exchange there that was the reciprocity mm-hmm. so in exchange for all kind that of
1: like sound advice used yeah, to
0: be yeah yeah so all, for all that good free information you were getting and all that recommendation you were maybe willing to even pay a little bit more for the mm-hmm. product because you felt indebted to these people now right. that they had done so much for you you don't want to be like okay i'm leaving i'm gonna go buy it <laughs> you know from the cheaper guy down right. the street you wanted to buy it from them because you know you had a connection there.
1: Now, do you think that potentially some of that is going away with our generation? Do you think that people I, don't value that as much?
0: I think you know I think there's certainly a trend towards that, and I think younger people in general don't really care much about that until they maybe get older like you mm-hmm. or I, like you were saying. Um, but I still see it so much with online websites. I mean, there are several sort of hobbies that I have and and the sites that I love going back to are the guys who spend so much time building the YouTube videos that explain everything. Like when they build an hour long video that explains how to use their product, Mm -hmm. you immediately want to buy it from them. Even if the shipping's crazy and their product's a little bit more pricey than everywhere else. Right. You want to buy from those guys. They send you an email every week, and they tell you about the latest stuff they've got on there. It's and like you, relevant, right? To and you I, want to go read it, mm-hmm. and you want to give them your business because they're doing so much for you, right? For free, you feel like you owe them.
1: Well, yeah. Not only that, is I feel like because they've given me so much, I'm probably more apt to uh, tell others about it as well. Yeah. Like it's like, man, I want to help these guys out. Like I want to mm-hmm. be, you know, like almost like their brand ambassador. I want to, you know, share. About this awesome, I mean, and part of that has to tie into, you know, having a good experience all the way throughout, like you were talking about with your content generation, how you're writing your copy, your emails, and things like that. But I think at the heart of it, it still comes back to that to that same principle, and not treating people like numbers necessarily, um, or just orders, um, but as people that you're trying to like nurture um, and, and really establish like a relationship with.
0: Yeah, I think this sort of segues well into the next topic which is something that has been bugging me for a while and you just you see it all the time in B2B marketing mm-hmm. and it's you know giving away free reports but forcing you to give away all of your information short of like social security number right. to get it mm-hmm. and you know you're going to be called a oh, million yeah. times and get a million follow-up emails and you just
1: well, I see it. I've actually been seeing a striking trend with more and more blogs as well. Yeah. Just like general blogs, I mean, a lot of it is very personal branded, where people are trying to build like an an online brand. Um, but B two B has been notorious for this for quite a bit. And, and yeah, I don't. I've really never seen anyone test this. So I think really probably what happened is a couple of big people started doing it, and everyone just mimicked
0: it. Right. Um. But
1: well it's so aggravating.
0: I could see it being obviously a difficult test to run in sure. terms of let's just give everything I have away for free and <laughs> you know hope that this pulls out in the end right Whereas the other way, you know we dump everybody into our CMS and we call mm-hmm. the hell out of them and we eventually get some money out of them. Um, but- I, well I guess I'm talking about a very specific
1: experience. like one of the ones that I feel like is very frustrating to me is uh, especially for somewhere I've never been before, I'll, I'll pull up a blog or a B2B site, And before I read anything, I'm greeted with a light box entrance asking me for a ton of information, like my, you know, my name, my email, my phone number. And first of all, I don't even maybe even know you. And second, I haven't read. I haven't interacted with you at all enough to want to give up that information. In fact, I'm probably just going to leave because that's I'm not doing all that. Um, So You know, in that experience, I think it it would be very easy to test. I mean, it would have to be a long-term one because you're essentially going to have to follow those people and see kind of what the long-term effects are going to be for having potentially more people in the funnel, so to say. Right. Um, But I would be interested to know the accuracy of that information, too.
0: Well, you know what sort of... prompted me to talk about this on the show was I was watching a commercial for some, I don't know, geriatric product. And it was sort of the classic that you've seen for decades now that used to be printed up in newspaper ads and in magazine ads. It was like, call this number to order your free information booklet or write to us at whatever to get your free information booklet. Write a letter. Meanwhile, you know, they had like their website URL on there uh-huh. and you go to their website URL and they're still asking for all your personal information before mm. they send you anything. And I just kept thinking like, what is the point of the internet at this point? <laughs> the point of the internet mm-hmm. is you can give away information and it costs you virtually nothing, especially mm-hmm. if it's just a text page. Mm-hmm. It costs you nothing to deliver that information. And if it's actually valuable, you should be able to give it away for free. Right. If you're giving away something of real value, you don't need to capture everyone's information just to give it away. Right.
1: And I It think, should
0: stand on its own.
1: Yeah, and like I said, I, again, I think that and when you try to collect so much information up front to get something, you know, I think there is some people that are obviously going to hate you and leave. There's also just going to be a group of people that were naturally curious about that that led them there. But they're also kind of skeptical of you as a source because I haven't seen anything. So, again, I go back to my my point about accuracy. I think there's probably going to be a strong group of people that will put in Junk fake info. information yeah just to kind of see what the next process is that are willing to kind of put some effort into it just to see right but it's not going to be my personal information because again i don't really maybe necessarily know you that
0: much and i haven't seen any of this information i mean this is a guess and i mean this just makes your junk information i guess more legit but you know i know a lot of these bigger companies at least use a lot of address verification back Mm in built and telephone verification will even like ping an email domain to make sure it's real right like they pay big money to third parties to sort of to do that, that to stuff and error it out and don't let you get the information right but then it just makes you put in okay i'm gonna put in my mom's address you know like right. or i'm, gonna, or put I'm in, gonna leave i'm gonna put in the phone number of the walmart down the street you know like if, <laughs> uh-huh. if i really want it mm-hmm. you've you've already made me so mad at this point or i'll put in my work number but but honestly i feel like <laughs> you're right <laughs> in terms of you see a lot of this B2B stuff, like a free report on something that's important to your industry, and you look at the sign-up form, and it's like, it's so much, it's like 20 fields. Right. And I was, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. I'm out. You know? like <laughs> right. it, That is probably pretty good. I'm actually going to Google download in the name of whatever it is, because <laughs> I don't want to... if yeah, someone else is supposed to do I'm that. not going to give you my info.
1: Yeah. Um, again, like, I, yeah, without giving me any sort of inclination about what it's about, I mean, I just... That just seems like old hat at this point, and like you said, what's the point of the internet? Um, I think people would probably be better served at generating really good content and maybe only giving a part of it away and enticing me enough to give over some of that information, or um, looking to, you know, I think this is a, I mean, this is tests that we ran time and time again back when we worked together a lot was. Optimizing form field captures and how much information that we're collecting. I know that companies are always in a constant battle of I want to pre-qualify this lead as much as possible uh, or, you know, someone in marketing is trying to get as much information about someone as possible. Um, But that can also, I mean, number one, that can hurt conversion just um, for people that might not fall under your predefined fields, but also it just looks overwhelming. And you, again, you do the, you do like a value analysis of what am I assuming this content to be? Because in your example of B two B stuff, about ninety five percent of that stuff is crap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, So I'm already mm-hmm. kind of going into it skeptical. Um, but two, if you're going to make it super difficult, then I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not out. gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna yeah. do it. So again, I think people need to reevaluate how they trigger asking people to give up their information and. Kind of think about when you do it at the process and going back actually to reciprocity, what have you given to people um, to want to give that yeah. information over? And could optimizing that process a little bit ensure maybe not as many leads come through, but they're higher quality? Or you get people that like your content so much that have already got into it, like in that we said. In uh, the reciprocity piece that actually share your information as well. So you're not having to hustle for every lead. Now you're getting organic growth because people are actually being exposed to your
0: content and, and actually want to share it. as well, well, and it's it's like and it's sad to say this at this point, but it's unique when you go to download a report from some corporate looking website and it's actually just free right it's just a download page mm-hmm. and you just get it just take it you're like shocked and you yeah you're right you almost want to tweet it out hey everybody <laughs> it's uh, broken hurry you, jump in did you know there's this free download over here <laughs> so you tell all your friends right uh you know so long as that content is good like the word gets spread and you mm-hmm. build that law again that reciprocity like you were saying you right. build that relationship
1: mm-hmm. so all right we've uh kind of talked about those quite a bit so let's move on to a, a study that we were reading it was actually put out by Blue Hornet uh, which is a media group that uh, is actually part of Digital River um, which I believe they also do some work with Microsoft I believe they do um, I know they sell Microsoft the products, digital right, products right. Yeah. so it's a, it's a fairly large company but anyways they did a survey of a thousand um, 25 to 40 year olds And really talk to them a bit about their basically their email habits, but as it potentially relates to um, mobile. And I thought that there were some pretty good kind of takeaways that we could talk about uh, from that study. Um, So overall, kind of the headline of the the survey that one of the top takeaways that they really had. was talking about if you get a mobile email, what is it that you do if you can't really uh, read it very well? Um, and so it was like 80% is it eighty of people look to delete it. And some of these numbers have fluctuated. It's a pretty good study to check out. It's uh, 2013 Customer Reviews of Email Marketer Report from Blue Hornet. Um, and they talked about really the differences of... How people are acting from two thousand twelve to thirteen. So first was talking about like I, I mentioned, um, if it doesn't if an email doesn't look good, what do you do with it? Um, so from two thousand twelve to thirteen, we went from seventy percent of people just delete it to eighty percent. So the tolerance level is going down. Of non good looking emails, which is kind of a vague term, but right. I, I, w- I would assume that is talking about layout, um, and your images, uh, and, a, and just overall kind of, I, I think overall as internet users, we're coming to expect more from companies.
0: Yeah. And I would expect that fewer companies continue to send out emails that are poorly for, right? Formatted. I would hope so. so I mean,
1: yeah. at this point, most, even of the lower level, like mail chips <clears> and, um, Constant Contact has some really yeah. good templates yeah. or relatively good, um, I should say. What was what was pretty striking, and I think the biggest takeaway for me, I think, in this study was, if you get a mobile email that doesn't look good, what do you do? Um, and unsubscribe jumps from 18% to 30%. So not only is tolerance going down where I'm just going to delete your gross looking email get it out of my (laughs) inbox i'm better than this not only that i'm going to unsubscribe from it now i think part of that is due to some of our tools making unsubscribe easier i mean now we have you know all companies pretty much that are legitimate have one touch unsubscribe which make it pretty easy you also have things like Gmail that will also auto prompt you to unsubscribe and things like that. So I think that process is getting easier. But also,, um, you know, there is a a phenomenon that we're we're starting to see as well where people are trying to get there inbox and eLife more organized. And I think that there's probably a lower tolerance of, if you're going to send me really terrible looking emails, then I'll probably just unsubscribe because that's kind of a marker of quality that I'm going to come to expect from you as a company.
0: Yeah. You know I what? Would, I would wonder too, if unsubscribes are so high because if the rest of your email isn't loading properly. Pretty much the only thing that is going to load is the text at the bottom that says click here to unsubscribe. <laughs> right. I mean, like, that, would, that, that would be my yeah, guess. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point.
1: Um, so a couple other takeaways that I, that I thought were pretty interesting um, from the study were that email enables mobile device usage increased by 8% since 2012. So 8 percentage points of people are now using... Um, their mobile device to consume email. And 43% of consumers say that they read emails most often on a mobile device. And I thought you had a pretty good point about that, about what is reading on a mobile device yeah. um, and how we're consuming that. That content,
0: yeah. I mean, my guess would be I mean, this is just how I use email a lot on my phone. Is yeah, I check it all the time, so it's always going off. I mean, it doesn't actually make a noise, but I'm always checking it. You mean, you're not that person in the cube with the <laughs> weird weird ringtone notification that's going off every minute, oh, right? Because the 10 email accounts that go to my phone, <laughs> like, there's always an email coming in uh-huh. anyway. So, yes, I scan emails, I, f- I basically filter at mm-hmm. my phone level, and then anytime I want to do an interaction, I just leave it in the inbox and I'll go to the computer. You know, periodically during the day and actually right. do something with the email. So mm-hmm. I think what you're seeing there, at least for me, would be reading it, yes, but actually interacting with it, no. Mm-hmm. Okay. So
1: I wonder what the, there might be a little bit different of a usage for um, normal users to us. Cause I mean, even when we talked about that study in the past that we were, you know, discussing about how many people are ditching their laptop and desktops and just going to a tablet. You know, I think that people might be using their mobile device or tablets quite a bit to actually consume these emails and actually interact with them during the day. I think a lot of that has to do with what kind of job you have. And if you're a straight line worker or you're in an hourly job where you have quotas, you might just not have time. I mean, you might have the similar interaction that you talked about where it's, I'm filtering this, is it important? No. Okay, I'll read it later. Um, whereas people that maybe have a more relaxed job, props to you. Um that you know they actually do interact with these emails and I think it's becoming maybe well, increasingly yeah,
0: so maybe maybe let me clarify here a little bit. Um you know, I'm talking more like advertisement type emails, like all immediately, okay, that one's junk. Ooh, you know, I might want to buy something from that. But right. in terms of like work emails or emails I can mm-hmm. just reply with a text, okay. you know, you know, I will work on those sometimes on my phone. So mm-hmm. there is a difference there with usage. Okay.
1: Gotcha. Um and kind of along you know, along with the a, a step that we've already talked about, 63% of consumers say that they might they may buy from an email read on a mobile device, while the number of people that may unsubscribe due to a poor experience exceeds over 30%, which we talked about before. So 63% of people that are actually consuming those emails on a mobile device are actually willing to probably purchase. Now there's a lot of things that can happen in between an email and a purchase. Um, so we need to keep that in mind. Um, but that is kind of interesting to see how that is continuing to rise and how comfortable, I guess, we're getting to with technology adoption and how much we're yeah. willing to do on a, on a mobile device. Um, but also, I, I think kind of the key takeaway, because we've kind of been talking about this for a while, is ensuring that, one, the readability of your emails... Um, and how you're structuring them works well on all devices, which is kind of like a given. Maybe that's kind of a back-to-basics type tip. Um, But obviously enough people are forgetting about it uh, to merit some of the numbers that we're reading here. Um, But also to understand that a lot of people are willing to do quite a bit through their mobile devices. So always QAing and testing your full path on devices to see how what is that interaction for those people um, that might be accessing your emails through different devices and and what does that look like to them you know if we're if we're forcing them into a product or a path where we're trying to get a lead gen we're disseminating content through a blog um, whatever we're really trying to do put yourself in the mind or in the shoes of the user what does that actually look like and would you be comfortable doing what whatever your goal may be whether that's Spending time digesting content, whether that's interacting with my sign up forms, where now my form fields are all jacked up on my, um, you know, iPhone that I'm using, right. um, or buying a product, my product pages are all terrible, or my checkout um, is all misaligned. So, given, you know, now that we're in 2013, we're seeing more and more of this. Uh, of this usage is continuing to increase, but we're also seeing that tolerance is taking quite a, a big dip. So, you know, the the people that are going to rise to the top are the ones that are paying attention and, and always on point.
0: Yeah, I think you had a good point there in, in terms of, you know, not only is usage going up, but the usage is changing in terms of penetration. I'm willing to do much more complicated tasks on right. my phone now, and I think most people are as well. So, mm-hmm. You know, your landing page looking good on a phone isn't enough anymore. The entire path needs to function properly right. on a phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not quite so sure how many people are really paying attention to the whole process right. on a phone and yeah. it working, working correctly. I mean, the I percentages mean, I see on some of the sites, you know, I work with of mobile users over the entire total of users, it's, it can be huge. I mean, right. 20, 30, 40, 50% of yeah. users are mobile users mm-hmm. on a website. And you're not paying attention to how it looks on a phone the entire path. Oh, I'll give you a you perfect examples
1: out. of validation errors on a phone. People, what are you doing? Do you even look at these? I mean, <laughs> I put in a form wrong on my phone, and I'm taken to this top of this page. Now I'm having to like try to scroll all the way down on my phone, trying to find right. the form field, then scroll back up and try to see what did I do wrong. And I mean, form validations, people this is step one They're stuff. trying right? to get too
0: fancy with it, it sounds <laughs> get like.
1: Get at least that right. So keep in mind, email usage and how our tolerance levels might be changing in this mobile, mobile world. Um, and let's be on our P's and Q's, people.
0: Yeah, all right. So I think sort of the last topic we want to wrap up with tonight is talking about um, discounts, and especially huge discounts, and what that sort of message can be sent to the to customers by saying seventy five percent off sale or mm-hmm. one thousand dollars off, you know whatever it is. Right? Um, what kind of messages that it send to people? And I don't think they're good ones. <laughs> you know, either way you look at it. Um, Spoiler
1: alert! <laughs>
0: right? So I think when that's prompted... all we
1: have for this week. <laughs> Rob gave it away again. Beginning.
0: You know, it's weird that I say this, but what prompted me on this one was again as some commercial I was watching, and I can't remember the exact product. But it was something like, you know, call. Again, it was like a call for more information. Okay. We're running uh, a $2,500 off sale right now. And I just went, holy shit. Like, <laughs> it's it's 20, more zeros than I anticipated. Just, just for anyone who calls, you get $2,500 off. How much are we talking <laughs> yeah. about right now? How many kids to give away. So, so. <laughs> and, and yeah, in that case, they took the discount too far. Right. And you made it seem like... This thing might be $50,000. Right. I will have a car. Going to take it. Or they're delusional and they're it's actually only $500, but you know they're saying a 2500 right. discount Maybe so they're trying like to make it seem like Chinese
1: rupees or something. Right. They're trying to make it seem like it's
0: really valuable, but yeah. it's actually not.
1: Right. I, well, I think you bring up two two good points there. Is one kind of unintended consequences, yeah. you know, in an effort to kind of beat out our competitors. Sometimes we go a bit too far and we we forget what kind of triggers that puts in people's minds. Um, you know, I, I know that one of the industries that I work in is uh, doing Legion for home security, which is super competitive. And this extreme discounting is something that we run into all the time where people you know, are selling home security systems for maybe nothing. You ju- you're just signing up a contract or a, a monthly rate, or there's like a very small installation fee. And they're recouping this money over the long term with their monitoring fees and things like that. But you look at most of the landing pages, and it's like $600 off system for $99 and things like that. I mean, when I, when we've done usability studies and actually talking to customers what they often say in those instances is, um, I called because of another reason, but that really made me concerned that even though that's your published price, that there are some secret charges that might be coming down the pipe right. because it does not make sense for you to slash your prices fifteen hundred dollars like yeah. that. That doesn't make sense to me, right. and I think I think that you're probably misleading me, but it's because. My friend had your service or I saw you on Angie's list or somewhere else where that kind of pushed me over the edge. But sometimes giving an extreme discount causes people to think, uh, one, like you said, these people don't really know how to uh, attribute value to their products well. Or two, I'm... They're charging me this, but is there like an extreme catch and maybe I'll just go somewhere else because it doesn't make this makes no rational sense why someone would even do this. It Uh, kind of reminds me it's not the same, but that you remember that guy who used to sell books on. I think it was like government grant money with the question oh, marks. Yeah. It kind of reminds me yeah. of someone like that, like a, yeah. a weird salesman. Like you, you're crazy. Like, why there's, would you be giving me there's this? There has to be a here. catch. Right?
0: Two payments of 1999 plus shipping <laughs> in the which is a hundred dollars. <laughs> right. There's some catch on this thing mm-hmm. and I'm trying to figure it out. I think that's a good point. You know, one thing I notice all the time in industry where you see this a lot is like fashion. Uh, so clothing and things like that. Um, you will oftentimes see huge sales when they advertise 70% off, but mm-hmm. it's this cordoned off area. Either <laughs> it's on the side or in the store. Right. And you immediately go, Oh, extra <laughs> smalls. well, that's obviously all the wax stuff that's <laughs> right. been returned and no one wanted. Uh-huh. So, on principle, I'm right. not going to buy any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And you immediately feel like I was cheated, let down, mm-hmm. right? So, a more reasonable you know, discount you expect um, is maybe 20, 30, even 40 is like high. Right. 20, 30%. That's a good discount, but I know I, I like it's. There's no trick here. There's no game. Right. Like that seems like reasonable for what you could have a discount for a sale.
1: Well, I, I agree, and I, I think you have to look at sales with some trepidation. I mean, it depends on what kind of business you're in. I mean, we're obviously talking about commerce at this point. Right. Sorry, Legion people. We, we gave you some points earlier. Get
0: out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um, no. I think that you know it. It applies to LinkedIn as well sometimes with how much they might discount a product if they're looking for, yeah. you know, contact us today for 90% off or 80% off a products. But uh, what I wanted to talk about real quickly on the e-commerce side of things is, and this is actually a real world example, uh, J.C. JCPenney's, or J.C. JCPenney, I think pennies is the way you say it if you're over 75. Right. Yeah. Um, but J.C. JCPenney this year kind of ran into some issues where... They got, it May have been two years ago where they got a new CEO, but one of the uh, kind of a, agenda items that he had was to kind of end sales and increase the quality of clothes that they had. Like, they wanted to kind of break away from the typical JCPenney's, uh, JCPenney. <laughs> um, showing your of, age. <laughs> showing age. <laughs> Wrecking my day. <laughs> um, but... Kind of what what was known for. J C Penney was known for, <laughs> um, where they ran into problems was their consumer base that they had built up were accustomed to these sales and shopping with coupons and expecting these really large discounts, even though pricing sometimes was even cheaper than it used to be. People enjoyed and became accustomed to these sales and extreme discounts.
0: Or didn't do that math and just assumed well, yeah, those were...
1: People are dumb. Yes. And so um, when you start running a website and a business based on discounts, you can run into the same trouble at Penney. Uh, ran into where you are essentially establishing a clientele based on that. And it can be very hard to kind of break away um, in the effort of trying to rebrand or getting out of the market of trying to be an extreme discount because sometimes the margins just really aren't there and you can really set yourself up for being in a rat race uh, with chasing really, really razor thin margins. And with the internet, you know, sometimes you can get into trouble with that because your competition is now not just at the mall or in a zip code, but it's it's pretty open marketplace. So be careful with extreme discounting and the clientele that that can kind of bring and what you are conditioning your users to kind of expect, because when you don't deliver, um, it can be hard to kind of recoup what you've already kind of established, kind of the habits that you have. Come to instill in the user. So, yeah. <clears throat> use them with extreme caution. Do you know
0: what ended up happening with JCPenney? I they mean, they fire these I... ass. Okay, as a, <laughs> I, he was the. I think he was the old Apple retail manager, right? Um, um, so it makes sense that they did that.
1: They their clothes actually were nice, and they actually brought on some good designers to make nice clothes. Right. The problem that they ran into was they alienated the older crowd because they like their coupons, Coops. but <laughs> they never did. And I don't think they just, they didn't stick it out long enough to attract the younger crowd again, because most younger people just don't associate JCPenney with younger clothes. Oh. Well, uh, and just the whole shopping experience. I mean, it still looked like a Penny.
0: Well, and at least sense. here, the Penny was always in the whack old mall that no one went to.
1: Right. Unless you did not except, value your except, life. Except the grandmas. <laughs> right. And the people
0: who just walked around for fun in the mall. Right. So... You're not going to get the sort of fashion forward, maybe Forever 21 type crowd they're maybe trying to go for. Right. I mean, they really put themselves in a
1: hard place. And I think a lot of that boiled down to kind of the customer that they came to condition with their extreme couponing. Plus, I mean, their product mix as well can't be ignored. But again, I mean, I think you brought up a good point with extreme discounting. Uh, One... What can that do to the user's minds when they see that? I mean, one, making me skeptical that there's a catch or you're lying to me, or two, that you're crazy and your product's really not worth that once I learn about it. And then now I feel like you've gotten me on false pretenses, so I'm not, I'm definitely not going to buy. But also, lastly... Just be careful of what you're doing to your user base. If you're just attracting people always on discounting if you ever decide to stop that you know, are you going to have a mass exodus? Yeah.
0: So. Hit us up on iTunes. We need reviews, ratings. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook. We're on everything. Right. I don't know. All just that all crap. The social all stuff. that crap. Just follow us. <laughs> just follow us. Like us. And, uh, us, give, us.
1: A, give us a call at our number 904-270-9603. Uh, give Rob some drink recipes so he doesn't have to drink uh, this toxic uh, concoction that he has here, Um, but also give us some ideas for some areas that you've struggled with with your site, Um, whether that is how to clean up your metrics to make it actionable, You know how to automate some things in your business to kind of free up some of your time, um, You know whether that's struggling with some PPC remarketing. I mean, we have a lot of experience between the both of us, and we want to hear from you guys on what uh, you need help with because um, we also want to reach out to some of our colleagues that we've worked with in the past to bring in some other experts and add some voices into the mix uh, yep. to, again, help you guys with making internet uh an easier place to tackle and at the end making us all rich (laughs) so because that's beyond our wildest dreams come on um so this has been episode 11 of the bearded marketers hit us up on our social networks check us out on itunes give us a call um, and until next time everyone have a great week